you kissed me that day on the road by your car Sometimes I still feel like it's where we both are When our shoes were all wet and my hair was this long It was a time when my life rhymed but I had no song I was living through <laughs> Maybe if, if I slip it in the beginning, no one will notice. Yeah, nobody will pay attention. <laughs> and how do you find your people? Just people you know? It's all friends. So yeah. I started this because I wanted their... Because I was thinking one day, I was just like, gosh, I can't wait to be like interviewed about the stuff that I work on, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and be able to post things like, hey, I got interviewed. Yeah. And then I realized, what's stopping me yeah, from... Yeah, like you could just do it. I could just do it. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to... I mean, I promote my own stuff on here, but... Right. This is really for a platform for my friends, yeah. so that's the whole sidekick aspect. Right. And then sidekick back, I got it. Yeah, but yeah. the kickback part is, um, I like it to kind of recapture that spirit of like in high school when you'd be up all night with your friends just uh, chilling, you know. Oh, I thought it was like kickback, like you know, giving some to your friends from your success, like a well kickback. that too. Oh, like there's so it's really I, nice. When I thought of the name, I was just like, there are so many different ways you that's can clever. take it. Yeah. You know, or that's like cool. kickback, like fight back against the man. Yeah, I don't think in the Midwest we called it a kick. Kickback. I have heard the teens say that these, <laughs> these days on the West Coast. That's not a phrase I ever knew. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think I heard about it until college. Uh, but I think it's the only noun given to whatever it is. Yeah, that you do. That you do uh, when you're just hanging out with yeah. friends late at night. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's cool. Thanks. That's fun. Well, yeah, and so I reach out to interesting people like you. You're thanks. I, and actors or non-actors alike. Yeah. I just have want to have interesting people on here because I think you can take anything from anyone and learn yeah. from anyone. Cool. And so you're here, and thanks. I think we've officially started. Oh, okay, cool. It feels like we have. <laughs> I think we have. Great. Um, it is uh, February sixteenth, two thousand fifteen. I like this to be kind of like a um, NPR. No, no, no. Uh, it's like a time capsule kind ah, of thing. Okay. I always say the date because oh. it'll be like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> when you listen to this like years from now. Um, it's President's Day. It is President's Day. Happy President's Day. Happy President's Day. Everybody. I was uh, um, on a little on a little film shoot last night and we were. I was with the sound guy. We were thinking about different drinks for President's, President's. Day, like a Harry Truman. Oh, nice. And... Uh, and uh, in celebration of the presidents, like for Bush, you got a shotgun, a Bush light, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Were you at camp when we did the uh, replacing expletives with first ladies' names? No. When the kids, like, you know, they all are like, when they swear or whatever, we're like, trying to get them to stop. So we, we tried to replace it. So we'd be like, you know, Lady Bird Johnson, you know, <laughs> like you have to say. A, Barbara a, Bush. Yeah, like a president's <laughs> wife. And then it's like educative and it stops them from, from swearing. So Nice. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lady Bird Johnson. Michelle Obama. Yeah, yeah. It was before the Obamas, I think. No, I guess it couldn't have been. It's been eight years. I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it didn't feel safe yet to use Michelle Obama <laughs> as a swear. Maybe. <laughs> when we were doing it. <laughs> Barbara Bush was fair game, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Babs. Um, you're hearing the voice of Rachel Milan, old friend. Oh, are they? Yes. I they don't know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Rachel mentioned camp, which is where we met at uh, Camp Newman up north in uh, Santa Rosa, California. Mm -hmm. And I think this will be an interesting opportunity for people to get to know this side of me, the whole <laughs> song leader side. Yeah. Um, which I always have difficulty explaining to people. Do you as well? Yes, yes. <laughs> How would you describe what we do as well, a song leader? It's funny because now I have made the seamless transition into just like obnoxiously calling myself an artist in residence <laughs> because I, I would not be comfortable doing that <laughs> well because now mostly what i do 
as a song leader is go into synagogues and like lead their services. And like, I'm not a, I'm not a cantor. I don't quite feel comfortable saying cantoral soloist because mm. I'm not really trained. In I that just way. called myself a cantorial you soloist <laughs> on Saturday night for a bat mitzvah. Yeah. So I think artist in residence, like most aptly describes now what I do, uh-huh. but like, because it's all based in song leading, it's yeah, it's like an impossible thing to tell, especially to my friends who I grew up with like in Chicago when I was like not a practicing Jew they're like what are you doing they're like they're always like oh so you're a rabbi I'm like no like there are different things that you can do in Jewish professional life besides be a rabbi and one of them is like play guitar like a traveling minstrel all around camp at any moment when someone needs to have like an arms around each other feel good moment that's your job yeah it's like that's easy enough to understand right I don't uh, know yeah that that sums it up (laughs) I um the way I describe it is is when people are like, you teach music? What instrument? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I mean, basically, with the Reform Jewish movement mm-hmm. came a lot of pop music that mm-hmm. people wrote for prayers mm-hmm. as a way to spice things up. Uh-huh. And we know a large chunk of all. it. <laughs> yeah. Or all of it. Almost I mean, all. It's impossible to know all. Yeah, you yeah. probably know a lot more than me. <laughs> in, in, this, in the, like range of time of like 15 years i yeah. know but like the stuff from the 80s all the older songs are always like you don't know yeah the old uvarasta i'm like I, no i don't because <laughs> no one's ever asked me to play it <laughs> see i i a repertoire or like yeah. um, the catalog that i know has mm-hmm. always been smaller mm-hmm. like i when i went to newman i was just like oh i'm gonna teach you guys all this new music <laughs> and you guys knew everything and i was just like oh crap yeah. that's so, what happened to me when i came to newman i yeah. had been working at jcc like summer camp day camp Mm -hmm. and my understanding of of camp jewish music was like campfire music pete seeger and like you know lean on me and stuff and i knew a few jewish songs but not a lot and then i i also came to newman like yeah i totally know what i'm doing and then the first day (laughs) jeremy gimbel was like can you lead ahavad olam and i was like huh (laughs) what is that (laughs) i don't i had never heard of that before (laughs) and so then it was like quick quick uphill learning curve yeah Yeah. that's that's what happened to me but it did expand my catalog yeah. a lot so it was yeah. a great experience yeah um and um also what was funny for me was when i started mm-hmm. um i did grow up with like lean on me circle game yeah um puff the magic dragon all these songs mm-hmm. that we sang and then i remember my first day um it must have been i want to say 2005 because mm-hmm. i've been doing this for about 10 years yeah um 2005, I had all the songbooks laid out um, for the kids, and it was, a, I think, a first grade group comes in, mm-hmm. and I have all the songbooks laid out, I'm like, I'm going to teach them Lean On Me or Circle Game, something yeah. that I loved going to camp. Yeah. And then they just raise their hand, they're just like, we can't read. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. <laughs> and then um, with the older kids who could read, they were like what is this crap? Yeah. We're not singing this. And they hated me because I was making them sing this old stuff. Yeah. That was always like such a shock to me too that like, I I really had to learn how to work with teenagers. I mean, like that's where I learned how to work with teenagers is at camp. And like, I was, I was always like very taken aback by their just like inherent dissatisfaction with like what I thought was the cornerstone of my job. Like I was like, <laughs> wait, why am I here then? Like you literally hate all of these things that I'm like here to do. I don't, I don't understand like how, you know, and they're like, can you play Justin Bieber? I'm like, no, I, yeah, I mean, I could, but like, what? Like, why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. But then I think the other thing that's really interesting, especially, well, maybe not especially about camp, but in my experience about camp, is how that 
same sort of music, like the same music that I grew up wanting to sing around the campfire when I was a kid at summer camp, like Sublime and Guster <laughs> and stuff. Like they just still get excited about that same music. Like for some reason, it's like camp is this weird time capsule of like, you know, that one dispatch song, The General. Yeah. Like I thought like the, I thought that I liked that song because that's when that song was popular in the world. But then I got to Newman, you know, 15 years later and the kids were like, can we sing The General? And we're like, <laughs> oh, it's like still 1997 here. <laughs> like somehow. <laughs> it's, like, it's like really confusing. <laughs> yeah. But it's nice. Um, you never have to really learn anything new. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. You just repeat it every yeah. summer. Yeah. And it, I, I've noticed there's, there is like a summer camp cycle where it's like mm-hmm. the beginning is awesome. Yeah. And the honeymoon phase and everybody's all gung-ho and yeah. then by the end of it everybody is exhausted and sick <laughs> yeah hates each other you just <laughs> right. have like dirt in your nose uh-huh. for eight weeks yeah and you just want to go home well we call it, it when i i go to you know have an ashira it's like the song leading mm-hmm. workshop and in in the urj track where it's like trying to talk with all the urj camps to sort of slightly homogenize our music process we always talk about like you know, you do a teach and we're like, okay, that's great. But it, what are you going to do in week six? It's always like, what about week six when like, when everything sucks? Yeah. Like, how, how are you going to do it then? And yeah. is it is it still going to be successful? Or are you still going to have the energy to like get in somebody's face and help them sing? And like, yeah. the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> usually. What, I, what usually ends up happening for me around that time is I just kind of let it go and just let the kids take it wherever. Uh-huh. If we're going to talk about... Um, I don't know, Justin Bieber for 15 minutes, then (laughs) all right, we'll talk about it. And somehow I'll bring it around to the fact that he sucks and we should not (laughs) respect him as an artist. I used to do this thing with my, uh, I was teaching, um, I did like, I was teaching in teen school during the year at a synagogue up north in Northern California. And we had like electives and they don't want to, you know, we're supposed to do like Jewish infused electives for 20 minutes and so i totally tricked my kids and i called it i said uh i called my elective celebrity gossip with rachel (laughs) and i every week would bring in magazines like tabloid magazines and we would go through the magazines and talk about whatever the issue was and then i would like somehow tie it into something from the torah like (laughs) and and the first time i did it i remember we were talking about the kardashians it was like something in the kardashians one of them like one of one of them keeps having babies and one of them like can't get pregnant and they they were like you know there was a whole thing one of them was crying and we talked about it for like 10 minutes and i said you know what's really interesting jacob's wives leah and rachel and one of the kids was like i knew you were doing this she was like, he was like you tricked us they were so mad <laughs> but i was like that's how you gotta like you gotta like let them do their whatever yeah. and then somehow find a way to make it jewish which i do think like that's really the crux of what of what you do as like yeah. a song leader or any kind of like informal Jewish education is like you try to make it cool yeah <laughs> through whatever way you can yeah and what's funny is I get people always being like so you're a rabbi right and I'm like not necessarily like no. no okay but I know a lot of stuff like I can <laughs> right. lead a service and I've done all this study yeah. on Torah and stuff but all of you all, for the only purpose of tricking kids into, <laughs> into learning cool. something <laughs> yeah, right. something valuable yeah um yeah so how did you get your start in song leading when did it begin 15 years ago (laughs) yeah so um so i i started playing music in like when i was a freshman or something i learned guitar actually i learned guitar at camp when i was at i grew up at camp shy in wisconsin jewish jcc overnight camp and i learned guitar there and would like always played music but like was not interested in the Jewish part like uh-huh. it was not a thing um and then I was working I was teaching swim lessons at the JCC uh in the summers and my camp director 
Melinda Herstig. <laughs> She's like who I attribute my whole life to. This whole new life is because of her. She came to me and said, uh, we want to have a Jewish music curriculum at, at the JCC and you play guitar, so you're going to do it. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> um, and then she said, and I said, you know, I, I don't know. Like I can, I was like, I can teach campfire songs, but I don't know much Jewish stuff. I knew like some preschool music and that was it. And she said, I'm going to send you to this workshop. It's called Havana Shear. It's like Jewish song leading workshop. And I was like, that sounds so lame. And <laughs> I will not go. Like, I, uh, no, thank you. Thank you. But no, I think I told her no, like a couple times. And then finally she called me and she was like, so you're going to do this. <laughs> and uh, so she sent me Havana Shira. And that was in 2006. So however long ago that is. Mm. Um, and that was like totally... You know, it's so cheesy, but it was like such a pivotal, life-changing moment for me to be at Havana Shira and to like suddenly realize that like there's a way to connect all these things that make me feel fulfilled, you know, mm -hmm. like the campy aspects of Judaism plus music plus like, you know, I was, I must have been 22 maybe, 21, and it was like, you know, I don't know how to say it without being so cheesy, but it was like, I just like found this like thing that my soul was like, oh, yeah. this is what's been missing, you know? So I, so I trained at Havana Shira and then I spent that summer song leading at the JCC and I like wrote a curriculum. I'm doing air quotes because it was literally just me and like every day meeting with sessions and kind of like doing whatever I wanted. So it was a lot of like Pete Seeger, you know, James Taylor stuff with like, a few Jewish songs that I could teach, but because it was uh, the JCC on the south side of Chicago, it was like a really mixed group, like not mm -hmm. all Jews. So there's this one great video, actually, my first video I ever posted on YouTube, and it's me teaching Osei Shalom to like a group of little black girls. <laughs> and they're like singing, like learning all the Hebrew and stuff. And like, it's really cool, you know, it was yeah. a cool, it was just a great experience and a great summer. But, um, and then when I had been at Havana Shira, I met, you know, everybody, all these people from the URJ song leading and I met Jeremy Gimble who you also know and so during that year he had said like he was head song leader at Newman he said mm -hmm. why don't you come out to Newman and song lead and I also was like no I'm good I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that like I'm just gonna stay here in Chicago and like do my thing and then uh, a series of things happened that made me want to leave Chicago and so I was like oh I'll just come out for the summer to Camp Newman oh, in 2007 no. <laughs> and that's and it <laughs> <laughs> and I've now lived in California for I guess seven years yeah with a little some breaks in between but that was it that like I came out to Newman that summer I felt totally lost and like I felt like dead weight on the song leading team like I was like <laughs> I was like I felt like an idiot all the time which has actually been really helpful for me in terms of like then when I became head song leader like I mm -hmm. never forgot how that felt to just be like what yeah. you know did you see whiplash uh -uh. the movie no because there's a moment where um actually i don't want to spoil it okay for anyone, but i just know that feeling yeah. of like <laughs> of getting into a group of musicians and being and being the one that's like what, um, wait huh? checking, checking yeah. the sheets being like what, huh? and then watching for the, yeah. watching the fingers and you're like, yeah, like I came in like having just like run a successful music program and I thought I was like really knew what I was doing. And Yes. Well, see, out. I came into Newman yeah. from after seven years of working at my original camp where I went. Mm -hmm. So for seven years, I was the, I mean, I was the only song leader because it was a small camp. Yeah. I didn't have a staff or anything. So I was the only one. So I had nothing 
nothing else to compare it to. Yeah. And so getting right. there was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, how many kids are at Newman? It's like 700, yeah. right? Go yeah. through that camp. Newman's also, yeah, it's such a, it's such a, like, tough thing a, to, like, bite your first teeth into. You're like, it's so overwhelming. You're like, yeah. you never, you, it's, it's, it's not like any other camp that I think exists in terms of, like, how fast you're rotating through kids and how many kids there are there yeah. at a time where you're really, like, song leading yeah. session or and two sessions And you also have, like, kids who are only there for a week. Right. Kids who are there for the whole summer. Yeah. It's so much. It's, it's crazy. so much. And are you still working there? Or? Um, I am not. I the most recent thing I did was I helped them do their CIT interviews last month, just because. Yeah. Um, the last thing I did there actually was I was the Avoda director two summers ago. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's been. And then last summer I came for a week and babysat the director's kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I I can't quite seem to leave. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I'm not you know there in the summers anymore anymore full time. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Because now you've yeah. moved on. You're now studying at HCC. Yes, I'm about to graduate. Well, not really about to. I graduate in May. Um, it's coming up. It's, it's coming. It'll, come, it'll, it'll happen come. faster yeah. than you think. Yeah, it's true. Um, and you're just doing the Jewish education mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. part? Yep. Okay. I have a master's in Jewish education. I'm like in the process right now of interviewing and applying for jobs. Yay. Uh, yeah. Like, it's funny because before, you know, I... I Graduated college in 07, and I came to HUC only two years ago. So there was like four or five years where I was really working, you mm-hmm. know, not outside of school. But this really feels like now I am have to get a grown-up job. You know, like <laughs> even though I was working, I like forget. Like I feel like, oh my God, I'm like entering the world now. But like I was sort of in the world for a little while uh-huh. <laughs> before I went back into graduate school. But yeah, this is different. I really feel like I'm looking for like a career type thing mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that I hadn't felt previously so yeah. how so. was your year in Jerusalem oh. <laughs> <laughs> she, she sighs it was um <laughs> yeah it was a lot of things yeah. it was it was like one big sigh I feel like not mm-hmm. necessarily in a bad way but yeah. um I feel like Jacqueline had the same experience and... yeah I think it's hard I you know I think that that specifically that HUC year in Israel is especially difficult because there's if it's especially if it's your first like that was my first long-term time in Israel and you're like also starting grad school and it kind of feels like study abroad and you're like meeting all these people and I'm like an introvert with an anxiety disorder so it was like you know it's a lot of things it's like it's a lot to take on and you're like I mean I could barely speak Hebrew when I got there and I speak Hebrew moderately better now and like you know you're just like you're really you're really like at least for me, I was like really rubbing against all sorts of hard edges, you know, like yeah. there there wasn't ever a point where I was like, oh, I like totally got this. I feel really comfortable. I was like constantly, you know, like growing and learning, which I know is a good thing, but it's a long time to like continuously be in process of like just figuring out like a completely different world. Yeah. You know, and do you think you ever did figure it out? <sighs> You know, the be- the thing that I that I do like to say when people ask me is like, I really did not want to go. And I looked specifically for a program that didn't make you study in Israel. I did not want to go. For what reason? Because uh, I was afraid. Like, I was afraid to live in the Middle East. I was afraid to be that far from home. I, like, was afraid to be uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Um, and when I when it was time to leave, I, like, really didn't want to leave. I looked into staying an extra year. So it's uh-huh. like... On some level, I figured something out, even if it was like, maybe I want to be uncomfortable a little bit longer. Uh (laughs) You know, I don't know. Um, 
and I had some, you know, and I had like amazing times there. It wasn't, it wasn't all struggle, but like the struggle was always there, you know, and especially for me with Hebrew, like I just, it was, you know, it was very humbling. I think that like in this 10 year span of my twenties, I'm now 30 and a half as my boyfriend (laughs) likes to remind me all the time. Um, I think that I've, you know, when you look back on it, at least, I think I've been lucky to have like every few years, like an extremely humbling experience to like, keep reminding me that like, you just, you know, you're just figuring it out. Everybody's just figuring it out. And so then as a teacher, as an educator, it's like, it's like a good thing, I think, to sometimes be reminded, like, you don't know everything either. And so it was hard. And you definitely, it seems like you're going to have another humbling experience by, (laughs) by the middle or end of this year. Seems like it. Yeah, <laughs> you're yep. on track for another yeah. one. I know it's totally like I am applying for these jobs, and when I read the descriptions, I'm like, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> what? It what? Like, <laughs> but and it's the jobs that you're that specific I'm like specifically degree qualified for. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when I imagine myself in the role, you know, I'm like, it's like it's like what I've been working for. It's what I want to do. But then when I like really think about the day to day, I'm like, uh, it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna yeah. be you know. But like. I think that's okay too. Well, I think that's that's true of so much. Like mm-hmm. I, to speak from experience of acting, like mm-hmm. the day the day to day, like you just spoke of. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't realize that when you become an actor, you spend probably the least amount of your time actually acting, mm-hmm. and you spend the most amount of your time, um, you know, uh, g- going to auditions and having meetings and and talking and reading scripts mm-hmm. and like projects pounding and pavement, so, pounding right? pavement yeah. like really hard, and yeah. then. W- God forbid we should see some success. Yeah. Then it becomes, you know, junkets and, yeah. and press and traveling everywhere and talking just constantly and promoting all your stuff. Like when I was at Sundance, I saw mm-hmm. a lot of actors were just like exhausted yeah. of talking about the same project over and over again right. to different people, you know? Something that I think is, I've always thought, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think like something that I thought it was like really kind of unfair about like the, the industry, I guess, or whatever you call it, about becoming a famous person or whatever <laughs> level that that happens is like, you know, like all the tabloid things and, and whatever. That, and people are always like, well, if they didn't want to like have all this attention, they shouldn't have gotten into the field. And it's like that sort of weight of like doing the thing you love and the payback is whatever yeah. it is. And like sometimes it's awesome to have all that attention, but it doesn't mean you want it all the time. And like, I just think it's like, I feel like it's such a flippant thing that people say, especially about artists, that it's like, well, I guess they should have thought of that before they honed their craft. You know, it's like, what, what, like, what do you think? Like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. You know? Well, it's, except try. Well, it's a double-edged sword because if you look at any industry, like if you look at CEOs and CFOs mm-hmm. of major corporations and um, just anybody who's at the top of their field. Yeah. They're just, uh, you know, it's a human nature thing to just, like, a group wants to just tear them down. Right. And just find the dirt and reveal scandal. and Yeah. Um, so it's, and that whole uh, thing of, oh, then they, they shouldn't yeah. want to become an actor or whatever. Um, fame is, I've noticed, is just uh, it's just a byproduct of, uh, of being a really great storyteller. So mm-hmm. the people that we watch, we watch them because they tell great stories. Yeah. Like, I just watched Edge of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it totally just sucked me in, and it was such a great story because Tom Cruise... Whatever you think about him, and he's a perfect example of somebody in the tabloids and, you know, whatever you think about him, he tells a great story. Right. And so he's got this attention on him because he's a great storyteller. Yeah. Um, and so if that's in my future, then I'm going to do my best to keep it balanced. I mean, we'll yeah. see. But yeah. That's crazy. Ugh, that's a, yeah, you 
bring up a good point. <laughs> Something else <laughs> about the, the day-to-day of like living your dream, right? That yeah. I that I want to say is when I the, the before I went away to school when I was teaching. So like my best friend my whole life <laughs> since kindergarten, uh, we grew up together, we went to college together, like, you know, her dream was always to like, well, to really to like be a zookeeper, but like to be a veterinarian, to work with animals. And mine was to, to be a teacher. You know, I really wanted to work. And so we graduate college. We both get our jobs. She's working as a vet tech and I'm working in a school. And one day we were on the phone and and we were <laughs> and I said, oh, I, uh, you know, this I, I got in like this parent got in my face today and like yelled at me and the kid puked on me. And like <laughs> I had this like terrible day of just like exhausting teaching where I felt like a total failure. And she's like. Uh, today I had to saw off a dog's head and then carry it by myself to the dumpster. And oh we were like, God. you know, like our childhood dreams. And then like looking at the reality of your day-to-day existence when you finally get to do the thing you want. You know, it's like, it's like, all right, well, like if our seven-year-old selves like dreaming, you know, laying in the grass, like dreaming of our future could have known that like that would be a, just one day in Dog our lives. Dog beheadings were in your future? Yeah, Jeez, it's like it's so sad. And... I'm trying to figure out why. Oh, would it's one... like a rabies thing. Oh, God. Yeah. it's like really common actually i hate to tell you sorry world but you pretty much when a dog dies they usually have to cut his head off i think i'm i don't know that for a fact but i know that she had to remove a lot of heads so yeah (laughs) sad sad. and i got puked on a lot that's the same yeah kids you get puked on and boogers get yelled at i think i got a weird wart like skin (laughs) thing from kids in israel was it hand foot and mouth no, it's called molluscum contagiosum, oh, and it's just like sounds on contagious. My... It is <laughs> exactly. There's contagious in the in name. In the name of it. So like, I like found these warts on my leg one day, and I was uh-huh. like, "What is that?" Yeah. And then I thought I got rid of them, and then they appeared somewhere else. And Ooh. so like for a year, I was chasing this thing all over Yikes. my body, and it got in my eye Ooh. too. And so like, it, and it made my eyes red. And yeah, working with Whoa. kids is great. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Is it gone now? It's totally gone now. Are you I am molluscum contagiosum free. <laughs> for those of you who are worried. my One of my best, uh, like, kid getting sick on me stories was my, one of my first years teaching, and I was sitting with a kid, and he was, like, he was, like, needed to go home, and I think we were, I think we had called his mom, and she was coming in, whatever uh-huh. it was, and we're sitting, and I was, like, comforting him, and I was saying something to him, and he sneezed into my mouth. <laughs> and, like... And I was like, you know, and my teach, my co-teacher was there and my director and they were both just like wide eyed, like frozen. And I didn't want to like make him feel bad. He was sick. And I was like, and so I just like, I like put him down and I walked over to my director and I was like, I will be calling in sick next week. (laughs) Like just so we're all all on the same page. (laughs) And I'm calling in sick for the rest of the day because I'm going to go throw up Yeah, I'm going to go throw up right now. (laughs) It was like so classic. Yeah. Oh, the joys of, of pursuing true. your dream. <laughs> um, let's uh, back up a bit. Yeah. Um, high school. Oh. I find it's a very interesting time to talk about because mm-hmm. it's where we form ourselves. Yeah. But we're also completely not ourselves. Yeah. And we've changed so much. So it's what true. were you like in high school? You grew up in the south side of Chicago. I grew up said. in the in the south suburbs. Let me be clear for everyone okay. who will say you didn't grow up in Chicago. You ain't from south side. You know from the south side, which I'm not. It's true. I grew <laughs> up in a, like a relatively well off southern middle class suburb. Yeah. Southern. Chicago. Southern south. I always say south of Chicago. That's okay. my like compromise. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up there in the suburbs. Uh, I. I went through a few, you know, phases in high school, like we as all we do, all do, as we all do. Um, I, my biggest thing was, so my, my parents got divorced when I was a freshman in high school. So that was sort of like a defining 
thing moving into that period of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this like one, you know, like a, uh, this one group of friends going into high school that like sort of by, I would say like, I think midway through sophomore year, we had, they, I felt like they had, you know, dumped me as, <laughs> as we've discussed it later, as we've like become adults, it's not clearly so cut and dry, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we parted ways um, and I like fell into this new group of friends who really are like the friends I still have today, like the the people that I really still see when I'm at home and talk to on the phone and whatever. Um, plus, I had this my one friend Marina who I grew up with my whole life. We've been best friends. Um, so that first group of friends, that first like year and a half, I was like, I was uh, pretty like into the punk scene, skateboarding, like ball chain necklace, listening to propaganda and like you know what i i always i always ask this question if you go back and you open up your cd player walkman uh what cd is in there yeah it was uh it was it was it was propaganda it was um can i say this it's a real band name the queers that was their that's their name (laughs) i don't know it feels like a rude you know it's a rude word uh that was their name name. yeah um (laughs) There was this. There was these. There were these two local bands, the Arrivals and the Tossers. The Tossers were a Irish punk band from Tinley Park, not actually Irish, but huh. whatever. Uh, and and the Arrivals. There were like these two local punk bands that we used to see play all the time that we we like were obsessed with. Um, and then so actually, I loved them. I still think they're great. I still have like a couple of their split seven inch albums that I like listen to on occasion. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had an older cousin who was he was a senior when I was a freshman and he like tortured me my whole life. He never liked me. He was like, one time he buried me in sand and like filled my mouth with sand and I threw up. It was like terrible. He he, like tortured me. That's not, I think three times we've mentioned you throwing up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So far. I'm a puker. Uh, (laughs) Um, And he, so at one point I had mentioned that my favorite bands were the Rivals and the Tossers. And he instantly, I think set to work making me a two volume tape, you know, mixtape. Um, of music and the title was like no one's favorite band should be the arrivals and the tossers like you're wrong and (laughs) but really like those two tapes i mean i still have those tapes i don't have a tape player anymore but i have the tapes and that's like really where i learned about all the music that i still like it's where i learned about like hip-hop like there was some stuff on there you know tribe called quest was on there like stuff i had never heard or known um and the sort of more like uh what's the right like more mature rock punk sort of stuff like it's where i learned about wilco it's where i learned you know he just like gave me this well, like that's not punk rock that's... oh no, no no i'm saying yeah i'm just saying it was like a <laughs> eclectic mix of stuff gotcha. that like oh, now yeah. they like turned me on to all different types because you were like adult punk rock like wilco <laughs> no no <laughs> no but i just mean like you know instead of like the kind of pop punk like i don't know it's just where i, I know learned... yeah he just yeah. he just so then from that tape i like learned all about other types of music than yeah. like rusty chain punk. Uh-huh. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and then after I sort of like parted ways with that, with that crew, I was, I mean, you know, it's so funny, you know, it's true. Like, you know, you imagine yourself like somehow making it big and like sitting on Conan, like talking about your life and they, and they always, I, well, I always did. And in my imagination, I always thought, I always thought I'm going to sit on the couch and let Andy stay in the chair so that I'm like talking to both of them. Cause I always thought it was rude that Andy had to like move over to the side. Uh, <laughs> it was like my dream of becoming famous was like, be kind to Andy Richter. Nice. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> so like when I, I've, I've thought before about the answer to like, what was high school like for you? Mm-hmm. And the truth is like, 
it wasn't particularly like I didn't I wasn't like bullied. I didn't you know, I went to a really big high school. And I think, at least in my experience, there was like enough room for everyone to just like find their people and do their thing. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm sure there are kids who felt bullied and would disagree with that statement. Mm -hmm. But I like had good friends that I felt good about. I like had a lot of friends in like different social circles that I saw at school. I like, I was really comfortable. I had a really good time. And like, besides the fact that I was like, a teenager growing up in the suburbs so I like thought my life sucked because I was like it's so terrible and boring here like <laughs> you know like I had a really nice time I had really nice friends I like my mom like I have a great relationship with my mom I was like a total I wasn't like a party kid like I was like a total goody two-shoes like I talked to my mom about everything I like was just I don't know it was cool <laughs> I had a good time I don't know yeah it was nice and um actually I think you do, you might know this or you might not. I, uh, there is a film archive of my years in high school because I was in a documentary about teenage girls. What? Yeah. From, uh, Rachel Woolman, it's like her favorite thing to talk about <laughs> <laughs> and to let people know that they can, they can find this movie of me. Um, yeah, they, they, uh, they came and filmed me, uh, like every, once every couple months. Uh, like did interviews in my it was called in my room okay and uh they trapped they they chronicled the lives of like four teenage girls uh throughout their high school experience i think mine was they they filmed consistently for like i think a year maybe a year and a half and then they did like occasional check-ins the rest of the rest of our time in high school <laughs> it's by brigetta hall is the is Brigetta? the brigetta brigetta b-r-i-j Oh, you're not credited. Sorry. Well, I think that's on purpose. Like, they didn't put our names in it. Oh, okay. Well, like, my first name is in it, but I don't think it's... I got Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's interesting to go back and watch. It's rather oh. painful. Yeah. Where is it available anywhere? <laughs> yeah, you can, like, buy it on Amazon. They, <laughs> sold, they auctioned it off at Avod Auction one time. <laughs> and Rachel Woman bought it. <laughs> so she owns it. Yeah. Avod Auction. I remember that. <sighs> yeah, good times. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I think, I mean, clearly high school was formative for me, uh, but not in any, like, intense, dramatic ways, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that is really nice about growing up in the suburbs, in the kind of suburb that I grew up in, is, like, you do just, like, have the room to figure out what you like and Mm -hmm. what you are like and, you know, what kind of person you want to at least try to be when you go to college. <laughs> yeah. um, Where did know. you go to college? So I, I, I went to Northern Illinois University for one semester. Uh, like I went away the first year yeah. after I graduated and I was really unhappy. It was like too big for me. You know, I, I like wasn't ready really mm-hmm. to go away, I, I think. Um, so I came home and I finished, I like did my associate's degree at, the, at a community college in the suburbs. So I did like my first two years minus that one semester. I, I was like living at home um, and got my undergrad. And then I went to Roosevelt, which is uh, a university in Chicago mm-hmm. and finished and finished my program. And uh, during the time that I was home at community college, my mom had gotten remarried and I had four much younger siblings, like ba- like toddlers, uh, which was really cool because <laughs> I got to like be a part of their little toddler life. <laughs> And I would, uh, you know, drive them to preschool and then, like, go take my classes and then, like, pick them up from preschool. And we just, like, kicked it together all the time. I was, like, hanging out with four little kids. And it was an interesting time. And then I, like, went and had a college experience, like, a couple years later. So it was cool. And then I stayed in the city 
after college and taught there until my fateful <laughs> journey yeah the, out, the out to the west juggernaut coast of camp newman. <laughs> yep camp newman took yeah. me in and yeah actually we were just at this wedding uh, over the summer of two of our uh of adam and carly like from camp i don't know if you Bonner? Know. no 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 uh adam fox i think oh. was he there when you were there i don't know oh. anyway we were at their wedding and i was sitting on the beach with joe glass who like he had been the director of the previous two years and i was like man i gave all of my 20s to Camp Newman, like my, because <laughs> I was like twenty nine. I was yeah. like, my twenties are about to end, and I spent all of them like totally ensconced in like the life of a Camp Newman song leader and what that entails throughout the year, which like isn't a bad thing, but it's interesting, right? Like, yeah. I meant to come for one summer, and then yeah, I'm all 30. the frisbee games, <laughs> yeah, all of the, you know. you know, I never went to a frisbee game the whole time I was there. What? Yeah. It's my prep. T- it's song leader prep time. You can't go play Frisbee. Oh, that's right. I couldn't go to it's the like, meetings. Yeah. It's like, right. You, <laughs> I you chose Frisbee. <laughs> I, just, I know. You're okay. a CNT. Well, let's explain. Okay. Um, <laughs> every Friday before Shabbat, before our Shabbat ceremonies, there's a CIT versus staff Frisbee game. I think you have to explain what CIT is. Counselor in training? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not everybody knows. Yeah. Well, okay. counselors in training and they're, they're, <laughs> they're like basically 17. like, they're like hybrid camper counselor. Mm-hmm. They, it's weird. Yeah. But basically they're 16, 17, we have a couple that were 18 year olds who are, you know, going into their senior year of high school. And so they're learning how to kind of prepare for the changes that come that year while also learning how to become counselors at the camp while also enjoying their last year of camp. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird collection of things and I was the, I was their advisor one of their advisors there's mm-hmm. three others and it, it's like every Camp Newman kid's dream to play in the CIT uh. staff frisbee <laughs> game on Fridays yeah um and it's intense yeah and our year we won every single game except the last one yeah. and that's still was a big deal I, it still hurts I'm sure <laughs> like I mean it was my first and only year there yeah. so for me it wasn't as intense but i can yeah. see the intensity <laughs> on the faces of the kids and yeah it's a big deal guys yeah it's a really ultimate it's frisbee very important ultimate frisbee is very important yeah <laughs> but while this is going on i completely forgot that the song meeting staff <laughs> which i was technically a part of as i was cit song leader mm-hmm. um uh, meets for the pre-shabbat stuff. yeah we do all of the setup for shabbat and then you could just roll in and play your guitar no i'm just kidding um, yeah, that was always like, well, it was like, it was always like we had run through and then we ended always in time to go mm-hmm. to the game. But I was like, I'm not going to the game. I'm going to go like shower. Shower and get before. ready. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't. But they, this, this past summer, the summer that I was Avoda director, I was like, oh, I like finally have time to go to the game. And like one time I went and I was like, it is really hot. Everybody is yelling. Like, I feel <laughs> like I just don't like this. <laughs> it was like, I'm not a very, I don't like competition and I'm like, you know. Oh man, that's the other thing. It's it's, it's so competitive. It's really intense. Like, it's like oh, honestly overboard. I mean, yeah. I'm a lacrosse coach now, and, <laughs> and um, sometimes and and even that coaching high school lacrosse is mm-hmm. less intense than those <laughs> yeah. frisbee games. <laughs> um, Pretty good times. Let's. Uh, I guess we'll move on to the kind of the final thing we'll talk about. All right. Uh, we got your guitar sitting over there, and cool. we're going to talk about your music. All right. So you have a music career. It's on hold. Um, it's it's uh, going. I don't know. I would definitely not say I have a music career. Okay. Um, it's so interesting because like I actually do make a living playing music, but it's not my music. It's Jewish music, yeah. right? Like I have found a way to like 
play guitar for money in a way that supports me and in a way that like is fulfilling I really like what I do I like leading services I like working with groups and and that sort of stuff it's definitely different than what I envisioned when I was 15 and like picked up the guitar for the first time yeah. <laughs> um in terms of my music it I would definitely say like these two years I've been in Los Angeles it's been like fully on hold like I haven't really written anything I've been like I kind of play, but it's been hard. You know, it's, I've been busy and I'm the kind of person that like the reason I play guitar, the reason I started playing and the reason I've continued to play is like first for myself and then whatever comes out of it is like fun and I like performing and I like that thing. But it's uh, when I'm not feeling necessarily um, in <laughs> in a place of high joy i would say <laughs> i don't feel like performing you know it's it's been like a, a tough couple of years in terms mm -hmm. of just like doing everything that i'm doing and i you know it just hasn't been a priority to mm -hmm. me to, to to write and to perform i hope that that will change as i like settle in um but previous to these couple of years i sort of just you know I, I like i mentioned i would like go through phases of like posting things on youtube and sort of you know, I have this Facebook page set up and I like play and I like playing live. Um, but what I really like is, you know, collaborating and I, what I really like is singing. Mm -hmm. And so like anytime that I can just sing while other people play instruments, I'm like so happy. Uh, so like I try to sort of latch on to people who are doing other <laughs> types of music and sing with them. Yeah. Uh, the last, when I was living in Chicago, um, before I went away to Israel for the year, I, I was in Chicago for like four months in between stuff and uh, I started playing music with my friend Becky who's like she's super like bluegrass she plays the fiddle uh, and I was I was playing banjo I've been like learning teaching myself banjo a little bit oh I wish you so would have brought we, your banjo then well so it's I almost brought it but I actually just officially started real lessons last week at McCabe's um, <laughs> so like my thing was like I taught myself guitar chords on the banjo but I don't know all the fancy rolls and stuff and so I was like okay Actually, my boyfriend was like, I'm going to, he's like, I, he got me lessons for my birthday. And I said, I think it's one of those things that's like beneficial to him as well. Like, maybe you should yeah. learn a little bit about this oh. and, <laughs> and, and like practice it elsewhere, maybe <laughs> before you keep like, no, but uh, so I'm like, I'm like really just now trying to learn like formal, like how you play banjo correctly or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, I was like, I was fiddling with it uh, during that. So I played a little bit with her, but. Yeah, the last real thing I did for myself, music-wise, with guitar was I recorded an album. Wow. Um, that was your EP? Yeah, that little EP. The it was like, EP. Yeah, it was before I went away traveling. So it was, I think, 2011. Uh, I went out to North Carolina and recorded with Dan Nichols. It was, like, really cool. And I recorded that three-song CD and then immediately left the country for mm. five months. So pretty much didn't, <laughs> didn't like, promote it or yeah. do anything. But I have it and I, like sometimes find ways to play shows and sell it but yeah i think mostly at this point i i like to play and i when i have opportunities to perform i i take them but i i think that um my mom will be so sad to hear me say this but i think that i think my life is in a different direction you know i think music is like something that fulfills me but is not really ever going to move into the main arena mm -hmm. you know of like what i do professionally and i think that's okay you know i think i'm happy with Cool. What I do now, so well, you yeah. have an opportunity here to perform. Okay, you ready? Wait for that motorcycle to go by. Okay, or we can just play a Bruce Springsteen song. 
Screen door slams. <laughs> That's my favorite lullaby to sing to kids. Mary's just <laughs> <laughs> Thunder Road is your favorite melody. Yeah, because it's lullaby. so long. By the time it's over, they're asleep. It's <laughs> <laughs> like perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, all right. Um, that damn motorcycle. <laughs> this song is. What, what did you want to do? You want to yeah, intro yeah. it? Yeah, okay, I'll just so say a little thing about it. Yeah, so, say a little uh, ditty about new growth. Yes, this song is called New Growth. I wrote it uh, when I was living in Berkeley uh, around about 2011, and I wrote it thinking back about the relationship that I was in that had ended which was the catalyst for me taking my job out in in California. Uh, sort of like this big kind of sad, tragic feeling in my life and like how it propelled me forward. And um, I just want to say about the title, New Growth, because always when I was younger, I kept my hair very short, like chin length short and sometimes shorter. And uh, when I moved out to California, you know, I like let it grow because... California, I don't know, it felt, felt right. Because we all have long hair. Because <laughs> everyone is a long-haired hippie. <laughs> um, and at camp, at Newman, uh, our director, Ruben, is really, he always gets very excited about pointing out on the trees the new growth, which you can see because it's a different color green uh, on, like, the pine trees and mm-hmm. evergreens. Um, and he's always like, man, will you look at this new growth? Check this out. He's always talking about the new growth on the trees. And so when I was writing the song, I was thinking about how... Um, about my hair and how I'm like a different person. It's long now. It's like my new growth since my like transfer transformative uh, experience of like moving out to California and being able to look back on like that time in my life in some positive light for the first time, you know, in in those number of years. So this song is called New Growth. Cool. You kissed me that day on the road by your car Sometimes I still feel like it's where we both are When our shoes were all wet and my hair was this long It was a time when my life rhymed but I had no song I was living too much, there was no time to write I was thinking too much about wrong, about right But then something happened the way that things do and it altered my course and it brought me to you and you rooted me there to my seat in the windowless chair and it grew like a weed no my love didn't need anything oh i wish there was someone to see us this way Cause for me it has always been too much too late And everyone said it would come down to fate But I've never been able to patiently wait And I worried that no one would think I was as great as I thought I was spot where we're frozen in time with your hands in my hair and your lips pressed to mine oh i wish there was someone to capture the view of the way that i felt when i fell into you and we had known all along that we were where we belong 
knows how the road's gonna bend when it goes So now you laugh when I stumble, you cry when I fall And you know when it's best to make no sound at all And we're traveling together, we're making the scene With the time that we save when you say what you mean And I don't mean to say That we owe it all to that day But that was the first in a long line of good days to come So that one just kind of ends, like, <laughs> what? Yeah, well it's, I think, yeah, it sort of ends at the beginning of, of the relationship um which is like an interesting way for me to write because i always write about the end yeah um so it was kind of the idea of like thinking about like taking something that was and like to me still is kind of sad and really thinking about like the thrill of when it started and mm -hmm. what it, what that felt like um and you know when i wrote it i didn't i didn't think about it in that way i just wrote it like you know how sometimes you write something and then it wasn't until I recorded it with Dan and we were listening to the playback and I was and I said this song is really sad <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't really thought it and that's what you said right when it ended too that's, that's yeah. kind of sad and I hadn't thought about it that way I think because of just the way I had processed uh -huh. the whole relationship before I wrote the song or something I don't know well it's a, there's no closure to the song yeah but does it give you closure to what happened yeah well I think for me, that song, uh, I, I guess you would say, is the closure because it was the first, like, being able to think at all about the the beginning and the way that I had felt happy, Yeah. you know, after for so long being really hurt and upset. I think for me, that was like some sort of forgiveness and closure, mm -hmm. you know, in a way that, that I needed and in a way that made it possible to, like, remember that that was actually like a really positive relationship in my life um because it was like one of those things that we were friends for a very long time mm -hmm. and we dated for a very short time and in that short time totally destroyed all of our relationship you know so to be able to remember when we were friends and the sort of build up before we like destroyed each other um mm -hmm. uh, you know is nice <laughs> i think does he uh, know that you wrote this about him oh uh, i don't know we don't we don't talk i mean we're not in in touch but I have seen him since uh, and it has been like positive and yeah. you know it, I think we both have like gotten back to the place of remembering that like for so long we were such good friends and it's just like good to see each other and I think there's I think there's forgiveness there even though it hasn't been yeah. explicitly stated so I, I don't know so. I guess maybe he'll know now except <gasps> it happened here on side kickback radio <laughs> oh my god <laughs> My bad. He might figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> A year from now we'll all be gone. All our friends will move away. They'll go in but our friends will be gone away 
as it has been And I miss your face like hell And I guess it's just as well But I miss your face like hell Yeah, I saw them in concert last year at the at the Will Turn. Oh. Yeah. It was I saw awesome. them they opened for <gasps> Glenn Hansard. Oh. Yeah. Was at the Hollywood cool? Bowl, which oh, is my cool. favorite spot. Yeah, I've never and been there they, yet. You know, they're they were great, but they, and they played a little too much because Glenn really? Hansard only got like forty five minutes. Oh, yeah. And you know, Hollywood Bowl they have a hard out at ten o'clock. Oh. So but I mean, they were great. Yeah. Yeah. The show I went to was awesome, and I think they played long, and it was like great. Yeah. I really liked sure. it. And they had like four huge, and just like I, I thought the show was over, and then they played another like big productive like you know they sing they sing these big finishes on yeah. all their songs, so it's like you're never quite sure when it's over. Yeah. It was great. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. Do we want to do a Jewish one? Mm-hmm. 
This one's for all you Jewish summer campers out there. Hashkivenu Adonai Eloheinu Leshalom Leshalom Ve'amidenu Malkeinu Lechaim Ufros Aleinu Sukkot Shlomecha Ufros Aleinu Sukkot Shlomecha You know what? <laughs> That's cool. I did have to figure out everything kind of on my own. Like, oh, I, uh, you didn't have a strong head song leader to support you? No, I. I there was me. a. Okay, me. that was me. <laughs> um, I think we totally just blew out the audio too. I'm sure Oops. it'll clip there, but oh. whatever. Sorry, that, that was, was fun. fun. It sounded great. Rock and roll. <laughs> I never get to sing the harmonies because I'm always singing the song. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Um. No, when um when I started in college mm-hmm. and I was volunteering at the Hillel, at SB Hillel and mm. doing services there, I remember the, f- I like didn't, I've never, re- I've never really done a Shabbat service, mm-hmm. like an hour long Shabbat service. And so I had to go through the book with the girl who I was leading with mm-hmm. and we would just, we would sing it and I would like figure out the chords as we went along. Uh-huh. And so like. I've run into so many problems because of that, because I'll meet people who are just like, you're missing a chord there, and like, how dare you play D major instead of D minor in the bar (laughs) who? I did the same, because I kind of also, some of those things I had to just figure out that first summer that I was song leading, and right, and I'm, in terms of like teaching the new generation how to song lead, I suck, because I'm always (laughs) like, it doesn't actually matter what chord you play there, you know? Like, I tell them that all the time, because it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't, but But I've People get really... No, I've run into people be like, yeah, mm, what are you doing? doing? A, you're doing the major instead of the minor. Yeah, yeah. And, really and I'm just like, that's not the point right. of it. Yeah. But oh well. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I cool. guess uh, 
Is there anything else you want to add before we part ways uh, with our audience thank today? Thank you for my first podcast ever. <laughs> You're welcome. This might be the first one I ever listened to also. <laughs> well, I hope you listened to my other episodes. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I've listened to all of them already. Um, no, it was uh, really fun. Thank you for having me and letting me sing and singing with me. Yeah. And it's good to see you. Yes. And we'll go get lunch after this. <laughs> Great. And I'm hungry. Um <laughs> And just remember, everybody, to follow me on Twitter at SideKickBack and at Andrew Fromer. And like the Facebook pages. Um, a couple of interesting weeks up ahead um, as I go off to Arizona to start filming Highway to Havasu. Um, so, and I th- hopefully, if all things work out, I'll be basically delivering a series of Havasu episodes with all the actors and directors and, and the people um, working on that film. Um, so that's coming up. And, uh, yeah, the only thing that's left is you got to do the sign-off. Um, <laughs> everybody's done it since I it? did it in the first episode. Um, it's just a, you just go, side kickback radio. Wacha! Right. do a little karate chop. Okay. Um, but you do it in your own way. You make it your own. Okay. So put your flair on it, okay? Okay. okay. The side kickback radio part or the karate chop part? Or both? Both. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Okay, ready? <laughs> I to, well, now I have to be interesting. Well, Before I wasn't. <laughs> um, well, so then no one's listening now, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Sorry about your viewership. Um, okay, ready? Listenership. Listenership. Alright. Sign okay. us off. Alright. Side kickback radio. Chop chop! <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to really chop?